Welcome to the Say Less podcast, a place for honest discussion between me, Johnny, and me, Rack. We are not mental health experts. We're just two guys who are trying to figure out life and happy to document our experiences along the way. We both still have a lot of learning to do, but hope that by having these conversations, we can help normalize topics that men often keep bottled up and develop our own understanding as we go along. Some weeks, it will be just Rack and I. And other weeks, we'll have guests to help us with subjects we simply do not know enough ourselves. But for now, kick back, relax, and enjoy us saying more. So hopefully you don't have to say less. Welcome back, everybody. Um, in this week's episode, Johnny and I are going to be talking about one of the hottest topics on the streets right now. And that is the fact that tomorrow, lockdown restrictions are lifting. Johnny, how are you feeling? How are you right now? Are you excited? Are you nervous? Uh, a little bit of both, I would say. Like, look, there's no denying it's amazing news. Like, it's been undeniably one of the most testing 12 months of an entire generation, I would say. Like, people compare it to, like, the war effort for World War II. I'm not sure it's quite that bad, but it is so good to have light at the end of the tunnel. But life going back to normal is not going to be without its challenges. I've spoken to friends and family in places like Australia and New Zealand, and they have been telling me the transition back to like so-called normal life is not straightforward. And it's going to be crazy, but I am looking forward to it more than anything else. Good, good, good. No, I completely agree. I think that... Um... We've seen certain countries coming out of it sooner than we have, and you kind of get a feel for it. I also think that last weekend was a bit of a um, a taster of what's to come, particularly that bank holiday weekend. And I think that for a lot of people, it was kind of a bit of a wake-up call, to be honest, because, yeah, <laughs> people realised how some of us Brits or some people act when we have the, the, the reins taken off effectively. So... It's, um, it's a topic that I know we're both really excited to discuss, one that we think is super, super relevant for right now. Um, so to give a bit of context today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to briefly be looking back on the last year or so, and then looking ahead to what the world has in store for us and how we think it's going to affect our mental health. In this episode, for the first time ever, we're trying a new exciting format, one that we think is really fun because it involves our friends, it involves some of our core listeners. Effectively, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking voice notes in from those people who we know engage with the pod the most, and we want to hear their thoughts on what lockdown lifting means to them and their mental health. So before we jump into lockdown lifting, I want to ask you, what are the three main things you would say the last 12 months has taught you about yourself? It's a big question. I think one for me, and I've talked about this so much on the podcast, which is basically what's crystallized this as a thing for me, mm. but it's the real so slow, sad realization that social media isn't good for me. I think it's a really funny one because I've been through so many different phases and ups and downs of convincing myself that if I put positivity into the world on Instagram, then that makes it okay. And then I kind of moved away from that. Then it's like, actually, if I can share some of my vulnerability, some of the difficulties I go through on Instagram, which is my main, my main social media platform, that can be good for me. 
Um, but actually, everything's slowing down over the last 12 months. And things on social media, for me, becoming more magnified, both in terms of what I put out there and other people, has made me realise that I need to take a step back. And I'm actually, you know, vocalising this means I have to do it, potentially. But I'm making a real commitment to myself to really try and live my life in the real world when things lift lift like back into normal because I think all the patterns of behavior that I've learned around my social media use I can finally like put into practice when things go back to normal the one thing I will say though is that like on this is something that you taught me Rack on this podcast is that like people do care about like what I'm getting up to about my achievements so I think that I will still use it to share some of that stuff when the time feels right and of course, like my job, essentially, if you take it on a really basic level, is for an Instagram football page. So like, I have to use it for work, like day in, day out. Um, but that's been a real lesson for me, like going through those anxious spells, going through those spells of like adrenaline when I think I put something funny up there. Like it's been, it's time for me to really reflect and work out a way that works for me, but also allows me to stay connected with the people that care about me and my life, which came from you, really. The other thing. Probably the biggest, I would say, is just my ability to adapt. Like, it's really taught me. Like, I thought I really struggled with change. Like, that first shift from normal life into lockdown, for me, it was like panic stations, man. Mm. Like, I, I was really willing lockdown to come on. I'm one of those dumb guys that every time it's like, oh, this really interesting new thing might happen. And I'm like, oh, part of me really wants it to happen. <laughs> And then it happens and like my brain and my anxiety just goes into overdrive and I'm like, I cannot cope with the change. Mm. A year down the line, in of lockdown, out of lockdown, going to an office at home, like being able to see my family, not being able to see my family, having to exercise in my living room. Like I've said before, I never wanted to ever do that. It's really taught me that I can actually just see how all these things that I can't control change and then just adapt. And I just didn't think that I could do that. I didn't think I had it in me. Like, of course, like routine is super important. We'll talk about it later in the episode. It's super important for me and my mental health, but I can actually change as the world around me changes, um, which is an important thing to recognize and just to acknowledge for myself, really. And like, it's probably my proudest achievement of the last year is that like, you've managed to adapt and change and weave and bob as the things have changed. And then the last one is that connection to other people is way more important than I thought it was. Like, I, again, we touched on it later in the episode, but I always thought I needed time on my own. You know, I thought that really I liked my own company most of the time. Like, I thought I could go like two, three days without talking to any of my friends or other people. And when a global pandemic happens and we're all sitting at home and kind of forced into isolation it's forced me to realize like keeping up that connection with the people that I care about is so much more important for my own mental well-being than I thought it was I have to make the effort to have those connections and yes I have to balance it with alone time but more than anything it is the number one thing that keeps me sane keeps me happy keeps me content are those conversations those connections like offering advice, receiving advice, like doing social things, like all of that stuff. I thought, yeah, it's a bit important. It's the most important thing for me. And it took a, you know, global pandemic 
you know, lockdown, stay inside your flat. For me to finally realise that, like, that's a non-negotiable for me. Mm. So that's it for me. What about you? I'm interested to hear. So what have you really learned about yourself over the last 12 months? I've learned that, I mean, from the jump, that we're very similar because I think each of your three there are very akin to me as well. Um, because... I think starting with the social media, for example, I'm, I'm the exact same. What I'm really shocked by is how okay I am with distancing myself with social media. Like you've said there, the ability to stay away from it, to be able to take time off it. I genuinely never thought I would be the kind of person that could do that in a million years. Like being completely honest, bro, I think I was one of the most annoying people on most people's timelines. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being honest, I think I was one of the more annoying people on most people's timelines. Even like a year ago, just over a year ago, just because I was constantly doing the most, I was always posting everything so extravagantly, almost feeling like I just had to keep on posting, posting, posting to stay relevant. And I never, ever would have thought that I'd be able to say to myself, you need to stop. Like, as you said, social media is not good for me. I need to step away from this and I need to go ghost for a couple months. And actually doing that was revolutionary for me because it really made me enjoy the feeling of not, not having that pressure to constantly post, to constantly show that I'm here, to constantly show that I'm doing this, that and the other. And what's crazy about that all is that literally no one was putting that pressure on me. No one was asking for me to post content. The fans weren't asking, no one cared. <laughs> so then at which point, who's putting that fucking pressure on me? It was only me. So yeah, stepping away from social media and realizing that I'm okay with distancing myself about that, going whole months, genuinely not posting even like a story or anything like that, it's fine. Like, and I'm, I'm really, really like glad that I've learned that over the past 12 months. I think a big part of social media and almost what influences that need to post on social media is the next thing that I've learned about myself. And that is just how susceptible to peer pressure I was, even at what I thought was a big, big age of 26. Um, <laughs> I will say this loud so that I can hear myself saying it. Adult peer pressure is so real. Like people think peer pressure stopped when you were maybe like 18, 19. You've left, you've left school now. Yeah, you got roped into a couple of dumb decisions with those kids at school. Yeah, you smoked cigs. Yeah, you drank this. Yeah, you drank that. I'm going uni. I'm a fucking adult. I got my shit together. You finish uni even. I've got a rent. Like I've got a job. I'm an adult. No. Even at 26, <laughs> I was constantly being roped into things that I knew deep down I didn't want to do. I'm talking about things that I think a lot of people will agree on as well, like being roped into going out and doing big dinners together. You know, there's that constant, like, there was this, there was this constant thing back when we were out socialising with big groups of people about, like, who's splitting the bill? How are we splitting the bill? Are we all just, yeah, are we all just splitting it down the middle? And you're kind of like, I don't even want to fucking be at this dinner anyway. And now... <laughs> And now you're telling me that when I had like one course, I've got to pay for everybody else's. But I know you've felt this before, particularly not drinking and turning. Oh, bro, there was yeah, we we've been at dinners together, and that's happened to me. But 
yeah, you just live with it, right? But that's that's adult peer pressure. That's what yeah. I'm saying. That's adult peer pressure. So it is shit like that. It's booking these brunches, these dinners. It's maybe just fucking spending bags on nights out or being roped into doing rounds with the lads when the lads are like, yeah, we're doing rounds tonight. And you're like, nah, what? why? Like, I know maybe not necessarily you've had to experience this recently, but all of these kinds of things, ultimately just living within excess, you know, like feeling like if the motive of the house party tonight is to take this and do this and like everyone's railing, like whatever of X, you've you're kind of going to get roped into it and i've realized that lockdown was almost the firm hard no that i needed in terms of just being like when you remove all of that i don't do any of it in my day-to-day life you know like i'm not the type of guy people might see me on ig being like yeah you love going to restaurants going to bars i probably ordered like three deliveries over lockdown i'd rather cook my munch at home. Do you see what I'm saying? So I don't like spending money like that. And adult peer pressure was a big, big thing for me. And I think that, yeah, as I said, I've, I've learned that I'm still susceptible to it, but not nearly as much as I was before because everyone's now had this ability to say no to things because of COVID. And I think that um, coming out of it as well, it's something that people should, and I definitely am going to continue to do, just saying no to things that I don't want to do. And then I think the third one is, like you said, just around connections. I've made drastically deeper connections with those people in my life just by being me and this to me is probably the biggest realization of the past 12 months and I know it's going to sound so crazy because to most people just be yourself like that's all you get told you're like just be yourself it's fine I honestly grew up my whole life and we discussed this when we talked about things like code switching how we alter ourselves for other people's benefits and other people's gains and I think that I'd done that my whole life in every single social situation And it kind of got onto a point where those who knew me very well, my close, close friends, and probably my exes more so even than some of my close friends, they could kind of see that there wasn't like a consistency with the person who was behind closed doors, the person who's just chilling in at home versus the person who was out and about doing the most. And it caused problems in my relationships, it caused problems in my friendships, because people are like, what? That... that doesn't seem like you at all. So like either you're lying to them or you're lying to me, who is it kind of thing. And I think that because of that, I spent a lot of time as has everyone on my own, home alone, doing nothing. And I'm happy just with accepting who I am, just being the upset, stressed out, finding myself fucking hilarious, enjoying time on my own, me that I am. And I think as a result of that, and just like having those conversations over phone calls, over texts with certain people who are close in my life, I've made such deeper connections with them over lockdown, just because I've realized that I can fully be myself with them because everybody had a grounding point. Yeah, what I'm hearing a lot of here, I really appreciate and would like to say, I know this won't be the case for everyone. But it feels like for Rack and I, I hope I can speak on behalf of both of us, like, although, of course, like, lockdown wasn't one that either of us wanted by any means. Well, like, for us, it kind of was what we needed. Like, the type of people we are, we really benefited from life slowing down and the bullshit being stripped away because mm-hmm. I was so caught up in that bullshit, you know. And it getting taken away and really makes you realise how unimportant a lot of that stuff is. And I was really getting that from a lot of what you were saying then, Rack. Yeah, yeah. We live very similar lives in that respect, particularly when your job and your life become so intertwined in terms of you having to be sociable for work. It 
naturally overspills into your day-to-day right but it's that word that you've just said there bullshit like if you strip away the fact that a lot of that is bs then yeah you realize in your personal life what is most important that's it man right next thing's next this is very 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 exciting rack touched on it at the start of the podcast but the first time for the first time ever sorry we have tapped into some of the podcast most dedicated listeners aka our friends um, mm-hmm. to see what they think about lockdown lifting and how will it affect their own mental health. We basically got them to send us voice notes earlier this week ahead of recording. And first up, I'd like to start with my friend John, who had to say the following. I'm actually really looking forward to it. I think several reasons. I feel like I've had some time to think about um, what makes me tick um, and by tick, I mean keeps me <laughs> mentally healthy, and just the obvious things like routine, time off, exercise, which will obviously be better now. We can go, you know, I can go swimming or football or whatever. Um, so I think it's important for me to like remember that, especially the time off thing when there's a, every weekend there's going to be things to do now, and on weeknights there's going to be so many more things that I need to not just say yes to everything but keep keep a bit of balance going um and the other thing which I'm excited about is I quit drinking before Christmas um and I'm really looking forward to going on nights out and and remembering them and being on good form for the whole night and yeah going on dates and not just getting hammered but connecting with the other person I think it will make the dating situation a lot more uh streamlined because I think a lot of the time you can just get really drunk with someone and then you know you're probably going to get on with them whereas um if you're sober you either click or you don't so I, I think obviously slightly nervous about that but also definitely excited and looking forward to yeah life as a non-drinker what'd you make of that rack I love that I love that. I like the particularly the part about routine, to be honest. Um, I can agree more with him that we've all developed new routines over lockdown. And I think that we really kind of need to make sure that we're honoring what we've created for ourselves over a year. Because I, I touched on it earlier. Honestly, We've spoken about routine quite a lot here on the podcast, me and you, we've spoken about the importance of morning routines. We've spoken about like bringing various different sort of um, mindfulness moments and wellness into your life. And I think we're both very proud that we've done that. Last weekend for me, I'm actually ashamed. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) Of of my actions, of all my decisions, because the, the bank holiday weekend, I think for everyone was wild. Like from Thursday to Friday, people were just here for it. The sun was out in London, which makes Londoners act wildly, like wildly. We've all seen the scenes from like Primrose Hill, Vicky Park, Hyde Park, all of them places. And I got caught up in it. I mean, there's some people who might not necessarily agree with what I'm saying, but because the rules outside were that you can meet your friends outside again, it was like London Fields, Victoria Park and repeat. And it was just drinks, 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 drinks all day from early in the morning till late in the evening, rinse and repeat. And I lost my entire way in terms of any form of routine. The only thing I did was I went for like a run with Toto in the morning. 
apart from that, I did no meditation. I did no healthy eating. I did no reading. I made zero time for myself whatsoever. The person I live with, which is my little brother, bro, I genuinely saw him. I'm not even joking. I saw him through my the ring doorbell I've got, which is one of them camera doorbells. I saw him through my ring doorbell more than I saw him in the yard. That's how much we were both just like <laughs> out and about, you know? And what it was a bit of a, as I said, a bit of a shock to the system because I realized that I've spent a whole year developing a routine that I'm proud of. And then in one weekend with a few lockdown restrictions lifted, it completely all went out the window. And I think that it's a, a, a stark reminder how easy it is to get consumed in things that don't necessarily work for you and just feeling the peer pressure of society to double book yourself back to back just because everybody else is excited about like lockdown lifting, if that makes sense. What about you? Just to touch on what you said, you know what's so interesting? I went back to my mum's uh, last weekend for Easter and because I'm not on social media, I had no idea that London was like this, which is so sick. Like, this is all news to me. Obviously, it makes sense because the weather was nice, but mm. I haven't thought about that. And I don't want to say that had I obviously been on Instagram looking at stories, I would have been so gutted about being at home at my mum's. But, yeah. yeah. but, but for me, you touched on it. And, you know, one weekend, it's Sunday, things going back to normal, losing, losing your routine. Like, don't be too hard on yourself about that, I would say. Like, it's all learning and, like, testing for, like, trying to find that balance, which has basically been what I took from what John said, like best thing about this year, like he said, has been figuring out what works for me. But what that has come with is so much failure and trial and error. Um, and I think that although I have found out what works for me in a lockdown, like you've touched on Rack, I think that what both of us might find is that what works for us with an active social life is probably a lot different and I didn't think of that until you just said how your weekend was, but it really made me think that, like, I don't think that I should expect, like, just because I figured out that what works for me on a day-to-day -day basis now, that I'm going to be able to, A, keep it up, because it takes a lot of time, and B, um, that it will even be the same, because life's going to be so different, mm. right? It's going to be wild, active, late nights, which I never have anymore. Like, I'm in bed at 10 p.m. sharp every mm. single night. It's not going to be like that. So I can't expect that my routine's going to stay the same. Oh, God, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, but this is something that you touched on in terms of the three things you've learned about yourself over lockdown. You mentioned adapting. I want to kind of understand how you think you're going to adapt to the new socialising element of it while also keeping that routine. Like, do you, have you thought about it yet? I've thought about it. And like you, I have had some social situations, um, which has been a challenge. Like, don't get me wrong, like, go, even going to meet two people outside is draining. And for me, what it has done is it's actually increased the importance of, for me, we've talked about it a lot, it's morning for me. I wake up in the morning, I'm in my room on my own. That might be the only time this summer that I have to myself. So it's about using that time. And I still have an ego, right? When I go into social situations, I, I'd be lying if I said I don't still want to be the charismatic man about, man about town, gas guy, whatever it is. In order to be that person, I have to do my shit before I go out. Yeah. Right? So it's not all fucking spiritual yeah, namaste for me. Like, a, lot of, <laughs> a, lot of, a, 
lot of it is driven by ego because I know if I don't do that stuff, I will be inside my own head too much when I'm in social situations. Mm. Um, and I think that this might not be the right thing to do, but I think I might have to compromise on sleep, just like half an hour of sleep in the morning just to get this stuff done. Because like even at the moment, like with work, we're working at home, right? And my first morning call that we have every day is at half nine. So technically, I don't do this. I could get up at half eight, have a shower, and still have time to meditate, read, like call someone that I want to call and have like a, a spiritual chat with before the day starts. Mm. Tidy my room. But if I'm going into the office at eight thirty, I can't do any of that. So mm. I've got to really work out. And to be honest, it's probably a time management thing. That's um, it. But- it's time management. I was I was speaking to someone about this uh, today actually, and she made a really good point. She was like. I think I'm going to limit myself to one activity a day on the weekends. And that activity might be going to a motive, might be going to a party, might be going to a restaurant. That activity might also be going to the shops and doing my weekly shop. Because like, it's really interesting if you're starting to stack your day. And this was what I felt like last weekend is that I looked at my weekend like I looked at my fucking work week. And I was literally sat there like, shit, okay, I've got this at 10 here. And then I've got to go for this later on. And then I've got to be back by here to do this, to get ready to go for this kind of thing. And I wasn't looking forward to some of the shit. I'll say it like, I'm tired, I'm drained. And my body and my mind aren't used to this. So I like that approach of maybe yeah, just giving yourself one activity. And maybe that activity is just something for you that is just an essential that is part of your day-to-day routine. That's a sick point, Rack. And I remember when COVID didn't exist, my week was like that. I would go to like a brand event on a Tuesday, some motive on a Thursday night. Then I'd be out Friday and Saturday and I'd be like, sick, I've got four things this week. Done. I can't go back to that. Mm. That level of activeness, it doesn't balance with peace of mind. Like it just doesn't. And I need to really remind myself of that as things go back to normal because it's going to be so tempting to get dragged back into like a five night out a week lifestyle, which even sober, like it's not sustainable. No. And it's definitely not sustainable after a year out. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. The other thing that John said, which of course would be natural for me to talk on, is the him going sober, which is actually so sick. Um, and I think a lot of people, as a result of lockdown, have been reassessing their relationship with drugs and alcohol. For me, like, I always convinced myself that if there were no social situations and I was never out and I never saw anyone drinking, then, like, I wouldn't be an alcoholic or a drug addict because I never saw it. Yeah, it's not not the case. I was very naive to think that, but like, it's just been a really good reminder for me that like, yeah, even if you're never out, you never, because my housemates don't drink at home, you never see anyone drink, you never, certainly don't see anyone take drugs, I still need to be taking action on my recovery. Um, just a specific one, but um, I'm really excited for John and him going sober and like what that's going to bring for his dating life. Like dating sober is wild it's elite it's so it's so it's so exhilarating but um yeah scary so next up we have my friend bronze i think lockdown will definitely help my mental health a lot in the sense that obviously i can just see my mates and you know be in those kind of big group situations socializing catch up with people that i haven't really had a chance to probably in however long um also probably the physical aspects as well i don't really think i'm like the most 
um, affectionate person, but I really just can't wait to give my mates like a really big hug. <laughs> I'll probably savour those moments. Um, I obviously do have my reservations in the sense that I have really enjoyed kind of having that alone time, that downtime, and um, to just be my myself. I think a lot of people have struggled with that isolation, but um, for me, it's been it's been quite healthy. Um, and yeah, hopefully collectively, I think it will, you know, have made us reflect on a lot of stuff and we've learned a lot of lessons about how we kind of live our life and the pace in which we live our life, especially in London. I think, you know, it's so easy to kind of get caught up in that rat race. So, yeah. Thoughts, Raki? She's got one of the smoothest voices. <laughs> yeah, she really does. She could definitely be doing ASMR, whatever it's called. Legit, yeah. I want to fall asleep to that. I love that concept of physical touch. And I think that even the fact that Bronze is technically the first female voice we've had on this podcast at all, the first thing she mentions is something that most guys, particularly single guys, might not necessarily ever consider like physical touch and that sort of level of affection. And it didn't cross my mind at all about lockdown. Not one point lifting did that cross my mind. And I, I really like, it's really resonated with me because I think that I've definitely been someone who my whole life, I've just never really, I think I've just had a bit of a problem with like physical proximity. And I, I don't like holding hands because sometimes it can be a bit clammy, like that kind of shit. I'm just not really like a huge... <laughs> I'm just not really like a hugely affectionate person like that. What I found though over the past year is that I have been expressing affection so much more to my friends because it's kind of easier to do it over text message than it is maybe in person face to face. I'll wake up some days and I'll just be in a fucking great mood. I'll just be vibes in. You know those days where you just, there's no reason for it. Middle of the week, you wake up and you're just like, I don't know why, but today is great. I'm I'm looking forward to today. I'll slap on some Sinatra. I'll be singing in the shower. I'm ready. And then I'll just message my group chat or message one person. I'll be like, I fucking love you. Like, I actually love you so much. Like, I'm super excited for today, wishing you a good day, hoping you have a good one too. And I think that I've really enjoyed that element of it and I hadn't considered about the physical touch element of it. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to just sort of seeing some friends too, giving them a big hug. Cause you see those videos online on Instagram and shit like that, where like people reconnect for the first time post lockdown. And you do see little kids obviously like sprinting and hugging each other when they finally link up back at school. But you also see like grown ass men and they're being affectionate. And I think that that's really nice to see. And that's definitely been something that I've completely ignored over lockdown and I'm kind of looking forward to as well. So I like that from Bronson. I'm glad that she mentioned that. Yeah, it's really funny, isn't it? How we just don't think about it that much. And it really made, cause you know, our physical contact is really important for me. And it's something that I would say I need. Um, and I'm really, really lucky. Because A, I'm in a relationship and I've been able to see you know, Hannah throughout this lockdown, etc. But I also live with one of my best friends and he's quite a tactile person. And I never thought about it much until I listened to Bron's voice note. But really simple things, like if he walks into the kitchen, he'll like put his arm, like his hand on my shoulder and stuff. Mm. Or he'll like sometimes give me a cheeky tap on the bum. Or he'll like, <laughs> but he's like quite tactile. Like there's quite a lot of just like constant, like physical touching um, in yeah. a way that, 
I didn't really clock, but it's like really important. And of course, there have been periods where I haven't been able to see Hannah or yeah, I've been at my mum's and stuff. And it's like, yeah, it can be tough. And I've got one friend in particular, I won't name him, but he was telling me that um, he hasn't seen his girlfriend or he hadn't seen his girlfriend in three and a half months, mm. right? And we were having a conversation with another friend and the other friend said like, do the guys you live with, do like, you ever hug each other or anything? And he was like, nah, not really. So we were like, so you haven't had any physical contact at all in three and a half months. And he was like, no. And this friend as well was like, not in a good place. He was like, really, really down. Mm. And like my mate, who's a professional social worker, like suggested to him, like, you should try and start hug your friends and stuff because it's not good for us as humans to have that little contact. And I was like, shit, that's really tough, man. And I imagine there's so many people this year that have been in really similar situations, you know, people that live on their own that just haven't been touched mm. at all, which is like, not, not a nice thought. Beyond that though, um, like Ron said it, the need for alone time, despite the, the need for connection. And I think that when things start going back to normal, like I need to remember that, like I still need time alone. Like don't do a rack and book myself back to back to back to back for like a whole day. Cause I, I straight up cannot do that. Like, I will, that is the sort of shit that will drive me to picking up a drink. Not to be dramatic, but like, that, like, that sort of stuff. Like, I need to, and I do, in normal times, I would do this. I'd be at a motive. I'd come home for like two hours, sleep, have a shower, like, watch some TV on my own, and then go back out again. Yeah. Um, and I need to remember that as the temptation to just be out and about all day, every day it comes back. Bro, do you know what? One thing I picked up this year that I was so anti my whole life napping. Love it. I genuinely, you can ask anyone who knows me, I'll run my mouth about napping for time because I'll be like, why the fuck are you napping? There's things to do in the day. There's people you could be seeing. Like, do you not just feel like hugely unproductive? Like you just wasted your life? No, like it's a recoup of energy. I had a nap before this. Rack, I nap for 20 minutes every day, Monday to Friday. Do you? After lunch, every single day. Never a little siesta, yeah? Every single day in lockdown. It. I'm working in my room. The bed is right there. I won't be working in my room forever. One day we'll have to go back to the office. And when I look back in two years' time, I will say, you made the most of that, Johnny. Yeah. You slept at lunchtime every day. You actually did it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little secret. But yeah, I nap for 20 minutes pretty much every single weekday. Um, Cool. Moving on. We have Jazzy. Hey, hey. Um, So my thoughts on... What was the question? What do you think lockdown lifting will mean for your mental health? Um, I'm really excited, obviously, to see all of my pals and to get back together with everyone that I haven't seen in ages. The thing that I've missed most is not my friends, but the kind of friends of friends or acquaintances, the people that aren't in your like direct kind of social group. My friendship group has reduced to like five people <laughs> that I see at the moment, um, just because I don't have like the mental capacity to kind of engage <laughs> with with all the with everybody else basically. So I'm really looking forward to that widening. Um, one of the things that I'm concerned about or that I'm aware of is that in this time, then some people have really progressed in their lives. Um, whether that's because they've been able to save loads or they've got that promotion at work, whatever it is, and there will be a lot of people who for this last, I don't know, like a year, their lives have just been completely on hold. And I'm very aware of, um, I'm very aware that there's that difference. 
um, and kind of being sensitive about that. And I think that's going to be something that we should all we should all watch out for. Um, yeah, because like not everyone has just been saving for the last 12 months. <laughs> Some people have been made um, redundant or put on furlough or whatever. So I think like navigating that is going to be um, something that I'm kind of already thinking about now. Um, yeah. Can I go first on this one? Yeah. I'm really touching that one from Jazzy. Um, the first thing I'll say is like, she's so right about the friends, like that outer friendship group thing. Like I have such a specific group that I just love doing stuff with, which is like Eman, Luke, like Dan, that crew who are like, I'll go out with those guys. Mm. I have like, I bumped into Eman once near where I live on his bike, but I haven't spoken to any of those people for the entirety of this, which is normal. Like we don't chat that much outside of like going out. And it really just made me think of them and all those other people that are so much part of my life, but it's like, they're part of my social life. And when the social life gets taken away, like I really miss those people. Um, and I'm really hoping that we can like rekindle those friendships um, when things go back to normal. But the other more important- Can I have a question on that one? Of course, yeah. Do you feel a sense of, not that it's your fault, I'm asking you, because this is something that I feel, do you feel a sense of guilt when you realize you've not necessarily spoken to them as much as you would have before over lockdown? No, nah, I don't at all, to be honest. Um, like th those groups of people for me, I'll put it like this. My really core friendship group, who I have genuine deep connections with, um, they don't like going to the same nights out as me. They don't listen to the same like genres of music, like in the same passionate way that I want to go to like every single show. Um, they don't care about a lot of the same social stuff that I care about. And that's, that's cool because our friendships are about a lot more than that. They operate on like a deeper level, in my opinion. However, it is also really important for me to have friendships that operate because we do like operating in the same social circles. We love the same genres of music. We do want to dance the night away until 6am. Like I know they're my friends for those things. Um, and I don't personally view that separation as a problem. And I think that it's natural that when those things are taken away, those activities are taken away, that maybe we won't speak as much. But I hope that when those things come back, it does enable on us to, uh, to rekindle those friendships. What do you think? I'm interested here. Do you, do you feel guilty about not talking to certain people? I think so, yeah. Because um, <clears throat> a year's a long time for people's lives, you know? A lot happens in a year. And from what I was seeing last weekend when I was catching up with people is that I missed some big events in their lives. Not that I was being ignorant and ignoring them, but just because we weren't speaking, I was either extremely late to the party to celebrate that with them or be there for them, or I just wasn't there at all. Now, as we've said, these are people on maybe like not your immediate circle of friends, but still people that in lockdown, you would probably have some sort of contact with like maybe twice a month or something. And that's where to a certain extent, it's hard not to feel guilty sometimes, I think, because you're like, have I been so engrossed in my life and I've not reached out? But I think it's more positioning it like they also might, if they really wanted to tell you, they might have also told you, you know. So, yeah, I think that was, that's more it just like trying to understand whether or not I feel like it was as a result of me being caught up in my own life rather than necessarily being there for them. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. And the other thing about what Jazzy said, 
which is such an important thing for me to have heard, and I'm really grateful she said it, is that, yes, I've had some downs this year, like the last 12 months, but overall, it's definitely net positive for me. And I think recently, in the excitement of things going back to normal, I've been thinking, I can't wait to get back out there and show the world how much I've progressed. I have paid, like, I haven't saved any money because I'm massively in debt from going to rehab, as I've spoken about before, but I've paid off more debt than ever. Like, I'm so in much more of a financially free position. Work, it's going amazingly. Like, my mental health is the best it's ever been, without question. And my ego is telling me, you can go out there and show everyone, look, I've made it, I'm fine. And it's like, we really need to remember that the last year has not been that same experience for everyone else. And some people have had it really, really fucking tough. Like people have lost family members. You know, people have, as Jazzy said, been made redundant, lost their jobs. You know, people are going to be in real financial difficulty um, and mental, like mental and emotional difficulty more than anything else. Um, so even though I might not be in, you know, Rack, you can speak for yourself, but I don't think you are either. And you've bought a house for fuck's sake. You've got an amazing new job. It's not the same for everyone else. So uh, that really hit home when I heard her say that. What about you? Yeah. What were your thoughts? That was the that was the biggest that was the biggest one for me as well. Because I think that we come on this show every other week and we talk about yes, our vulnerabilities, yes, our insecurities, we bear our souls a little bit. We've also acknowledged and spoken about and at length things like people being made redundant and some of the difficulties associated with lockdown and things like that. But I think also particularly for me and you. What struck a chord with me about Jazzy's voice note is that we find it very easy to speak. And for some people, even before lockdown, they didn't necessarily find it easy to speak. So then that navigating the reconnection with people and being sensitive about what they're prepared to or willing to share over the past 12 months really made me think on a whole different level. Because at the end of the day, the first thing your immediate instinct is to be like, what have you been up to? Hey, how are you? This, that, and the other. Some people just don't want to have that conversation at all. And that's not necessarily what they were looking for in this social situation when they sort of met back up with you. And I wasn't necessarily taking that into account at all. It wasn't something I'd thought about until actually I kind of pieced together something that Jazzy said and something a friend of mine actually said to me very recently. I'm sure she's not going to be too mad at me saying this, but it's my friend Kara. She was really honest with me at one point, like a week ago, and she was like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, sometimes I found it difficult speaking to you during lockdown because you are a really positive person and you can speak a lot. And because you can speak a lot, even if it's not necessarily about updates, even if it's not necessarily just about like what's been going on in my life, you kind of force somebody else to feel like they have to reciprocate or match that level of vocalization that you have. When in reality, they might really not have much to talk about over the past sort of six, 12 months, because either things haven't necessarily been as great for them or like they just don't really have much to say on it. Um, and I think that was something that really struck a chord with me, particularly for a friend to say, like, I found sometimes found it difficult speaking to you because I felt like I had to match that level. And I think that's something that we do need to take into account when we are thinking about connecting with people again. And as Jazzy said, really be sensitive as to how we navigate that. 
Yeah, I really like that. Next up, we have Toto. I think the way we're going to get through this is just the individual approach. So people are going to have to understand kind of what they need to do for themselves to get themselves through it. Um, I know people have booked up every single restaurant in London, but kudos to them. They've been dying to get out for months and that's how they're going to kind of start socialising again. I think I'm going to personally go for the more laid back approach and just kind of roll up to motives, not put too much pressure on myself to go to things and definitely not to be the one organising them. But I think one kind of topic or one kind of theme that has kind of been reoccurring through the pandemic is to be a bit more empathetic. So like if people aren't rolling up to your motives, don't take it personally, invite them to the next one, maybe give them a break and on vice versa. If people keep on inviting you to stuff and you don't want to go, look, it's all love, like we're all trying to see each other and we all kind of miss each other. So I think that's the probably the best way to think about it. Mark? I'm taking it as a personal attack. <laughs> Explain. Straight up. I actually bumped into Toto last weekend. I was speaking to him and I was like, it was him and Alice. And I was like, yeah, I already got this book, that book, da 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 And he was like, I've, I've literally <laughs> booked none of it. But I think it's, uh, in all seriousness, isn't it? I think it's a very good point that he made around not taking offence to people not turning up to your motives. Because at the end of the day, like you only have two nights of a weekend. And as we've discussed on this, if you are to prioritize your routine and make time for yourself and make space for yourself, that gives you one night. You've also got a lot of friends that you want to be catching up with. You've probably got family members that you want to be catching up with. You've got the extended social groups that we've been talking about that you want to be catching up with. There's a lot of people that you want to reconnect with. And the reality is, is that you only have a certain amount of days at the weekend um, and you kind of have to give a couple of them or not a couple of them, but you kind of have to give one of them to yourself. And I think that it's a long old summer. We've got time. Like people need to remember that. Don't feel forced to cram in as much as you can right from the jump and sort of overbook yourself and don't feel any sort of kind of way when people are maybe making that time for themselves because at the end of the day like if you start to feel that way it's nothing personal towards you person might be making time if you then stop inviting them to particular motives because they are just making time for themselves that's not going to be nice for them when they do finally have capacity mentally and physically to actually reconnect with you because yeah you don't know how you might be making that person feel without necessarily asking like if they're okay with not attending it makes total sense and that's the main point i was going to pick up on too again one of our friends giving me a really important reminder in normal times before any of this stuff happens i had no empathy for people who like didn't want to come out or like didn't turn up to stuff, which is so dumb and is like massively self-centered of me, which I now realize. Mm. I think it's really important to hear that from Toto to be like, you know, people aren't turning up to stuff. It's nothing to do with you. So it's really important for me to hear. And I think I'm, you know, at times I will be one of those people where I'm sure there will be times where I will turn down motive after motive after motive. I hope I will, because I know that at some point that's what I'll need to do for myself. And the least I can do is expect other people to do the same for themselves. And, you know, the other thing he said is right at the start, that individual approach, which again is an important reminder for, for myself, 
and also how I view other people. Um, I shouldn't get sucked into what other people are doing. And although that's one of the reasons why I'm trying to, as we've discussed, take a bit of a step back from social media, there's still pressure there in my head to be going and doing stuff and going to every motive and being all the places where my friends are. I just need to remember that. Doing what's right for me is the most important thing. And for other people, doing what's right for them is the most important thing. And especially more than ever with this lockdown ending, um, it's got to be a no questions asked policy, right? People don't turn up. You don't need to ask any questions, like just get on with it. And I hope that people will do the same for me. So finishing off, naturally, as we often do, we want to end with the ways that we think people can support their own mental health as normal life returns. And of course, life starts to speed up. So Rack, I'll go to you first. I think the main one for me is to acknowledge your anxiety. Outside of the obvious social anxiety, there are a lot of things that people don't necessarily consider that play a part in socialising. For example, does the motive require you to go on public transport? Does the motive mean you have to walk somewhere in the dark that you're not comfortable with, particularly after some of the recent events over the past few months? Does the motive mean that you have to mingle with people that you've never met before and you don't necessarily know how they've been acting in terms of interacting with people? And there's there's lots of various different things that people might be anxious about, about socialising, about reconnecting with people. But I think, yeah, ultimately, we just need to acknowledge that in ourselves, that that's okay. It's completely normal. It's completely natural. We are going from a period of doing nothing to a lot of pressure to feel like you have to do everything. Acknowledge it in yourself. Make sure you are like confident in reasons as to why you don't feel comfortable doing certain things. Don't beat yourself up about it and communicate it with those people who are your friends because they will understand. I know, Johnny, you mentioned like, don't ask questions, no comment policy, but I kind of think that if you communicate it with them, of course they're going to get it. You say, look, I'm not going to lie to you. Like you live all the way on the other side of town. I've got to take a tube and a train to get to you. I just don't know if I'm ready for that yet. Then fine, completely understand. Yeah, that's actually a much better policy. I second that, like be honest with people. Um, and when I say no questions asked, what I mean is don't ask passive-aggressive questions when people aren't turning up to stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'd say that if you're the person not turning up, definitely do what Rack said. Like, just be honest. You know, we all will be adjusting, you know, slowly as, as things start to come back. And that kind of brings me on to my first one, which is super broad. But I think that if you ever have been thinking about, you know, seeking any kind of mental health support be that therapy, be that anything else, now is the time to do it. You know, I think that we've advocated so much on this platform, the importance of like speaking to people, both in a professional and non-professional capacity. And I think that this year has been traumatic, you know, and we've all been through some level of trauma in our lives. I mean, that's an exact line for one of our previous podcasts, but if you want to be able to help yourself get over this year and all the other stuff that maybe you haven't spoken about, like now is really like a great time to do it. It's a great like kick out the bum for some of us that like, yeah, right now, like maybe I maybe will be when I take that step and go and speak to someone. 
So that'd be my first one. What about you, Rack? Next nice. one. I think my next one is around remembering it's okay to continue the forms of connection and conversation that we've become so akin with over lockdown particularly when it comes to reconnecting with people or just even seeing friends that maybe are within your direct social circle that you speak to all the time like we have gotten so used to video calls phone calls as a way of communicating we don't have to be out and about to do that again you know if the main aim of it is just to connect with someone that you've not spoken to in a while don't feel like you have to make a whole day of it that's then going to work against your schedule and might make you feel a little bit sort of anxious in terms of what you've got to commit to you know like can that one hour commute to meet that person plus maybe the ones two hours that you spend like chilling and catching up and then the one hour return back could that just be a one hour phone call you know like does it help you save money does it work towards your financial schedule as well this is again another thing about socializing like people have forgotten it's expensive I think that's a, a part of even Jazzy's note, for example, that I, I really hadn't considered around other people necessarily being in the same position as you to be able to commit to expensive social gatherings. I've been bad at this. I know I've been bad at this. I told you I've been in WhatsApp groups recently, just sort of being like, I want to book everything. I want to be at all the big nights this year, all the big festivals, da, 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 da. Let's do this. Let's do that. And just like being in chats and not necessarily thinking that, oh shit, all of a sudden this ticket's 40 quid. This festival's 90 quid. This dinner's this, this dinner's that. It's expensive and it adds up, you know? And like, if the ultimate aim is just simply to reconnect with those friends, we've done a whole year of connecting in a way that doesn't have to be a pressure financially, nor on your time, nor on your routine. And I think that, yeah, the main thing is to just sort of remember as lockdown lifts that we can still live like that in balance. Nice. It's really similar to mine, which is just not overdoing it. And that spreads across a whole range of things. Like number one, and I could speak on this one with a lot of personal experience is drinking and substance taking. Like everyone's gonna wanna have fun. Like it's inevitable. There's gonna be so many people overdoing it in that regards. Like just remember, your tolerance is gonna be way lower if you've been abstaining for the last year. Like my housemates that I live with, they like to drink, they like to take drugs sometimes, but because there's been no socializing, they've been pretty much teetotal for a year, like give or take. And going from that to like going out and taking two pills or whatever, like, going to be really at risk of hurting yourself so just be really careful and beyond just substances spending not just on festival tickets like clothes you know everyone's going to want to have new outfits and stuff just make sure that in all regards you're living within your means both in terms of your physical health and also in terms of your financial spending as rack said yeah and i think like look to sum that up my understanding of this and the main takeaway for me here really is just like that element of coming back to a world where social peer pressure exists, whether you're buying a whole new wardrobe because you're like, I feel like I need to turn up to the event looking like this, whether, as you said, Johnny, I need to turn up to the event and be that sort of like gas guy because my ego needs it. Like whether it's just being present at spaces to feel like you're not losing touch with people. All of this is a form of adult peer pressure that I think that we've not experienced for a year. And as you say, live within your means because it will it can really sort of like affect you and make you do things that you don't want to do. Nice. Well, Rack, thank you for an amazing conversation. 
I've actually really enjoyed this one. I'm really liked us getting our friends involved and hearing their perspective because it's so funny. Like you get two guys who are relatively similar on a podcast, and like sometimes maybe our views are more similar than we think they are. And like some of the stuff, particularly that what Jazzy said and what Toto did, were like sharp needles going into my brain because it was just a completely different perspective. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and thank you for those people who shared because yeah, I mean it's it's hugely insightful for us and hopefully hugely insightful for our listeners. And obviously it's very brave to put yourself in a public space like that. So we're hugely appreciative as always. We're hugely appreciative to everyone who's still tuning in and sharing feedback with us, wanting to sort of get involved in the podcast a little bit more. Our doors are always open for conversation, for episodes, for people to feature and and sort of be here with us as well. So as always, thank you everybody. Hope everyone has an amazing start to the lifting of lockdown and we hope that there's been something from this episode that you find interesting for your consideration. Thanks for tuning in to the Say Less podcast. We are not experts, so please help us with feedback if there's anything we've got wrong or anything you disagree with. We can be found at sayless.pod on the gram. Till next time. <laughs>